Section 11 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by M.L. Cohen. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 4 by Henry Gray. The Hindbrain, Part 4. Microscopic Appearance of the Cortex. The cortex consists of two layers, that is, an external gray molecular layer and an internal rust-colored nuclear layer. Between these is an incomplete stratum of cells which are characteristic of the cerebellum, that is, the cells of Purkinje. The external gray or molecular layer consists of fibers and cells. The nerve fibers are delicate fibrillae and are derived from the following sources. A the dendrites and axon collaterals of Purkinje cells, b, fibers from the cells of the nuclear layer, c, fibers from the central white substance of the cerebellum, d, fibers derived from cells in the molecular layer itself. In addition to these are other fibers, which have a vertical direction and are the processes of the large neuroglial cells situated in the nuclear layer. They pass outward to the periphery of the gray matter, where they expand into little conical enlargements, which form a sort of limiting membrane beneath the pia mater, analogous to the membrane limitans interna in the retina formed by the sustentacular fibers of Mueller. The cells of the molecular layer are small and are arranged in two striata, an outer and an inner. They all possess branched axons. Those of the inner layer are termed basket cells. They run for some distance parallel with the surface of the folium, giving off collaterals which pass in a vertical direction towards the bodies of the Purkinje cells, around which they become enlarged and form basket-like networks. The cells of Purkinje form a single stratum of large flask-like shells at the junction of the molecular and nuclear layers, their bases resting against the latter. In fishes and reptiles, they are arranged in several layers. The cells are flattened in a direction transverse to the long axis of the folium and thus appear broad in sections carried across the folium and fusiform in sections parallel to the long axis of the folium. From the neck of the flask one or more dendrites arise and pass into the molecular layer where they subdivide and form an extremely rich arborescence, the various subdivisions of the dendrites being covered by lateral spine-like processes. The arborescence is not circular but, like the cell, is flattened at right angles to the long axis of the folium. In other words, it does not resemble a round bush, but has been aptly compared by Obersteiner to the branches of a fruit tree trained against a trellis or a wall. Hence, in sections carried across the folium, the arborescence is broad and expanded, where in those which are parallel to the long axis of the folium, the arborescence, like the cell itself, is seen in profile and is limited to a narrow area. From the bottom of the flask-shaped cell, the axon arises. This passes through the nuclear layer and, becoming medullated, is continued as a nerve fiber in the subjacent white substance. As this axon traverses the granular layer, it gives off fine collaterals, some of which run back into the molecular layer. The internal, rust-colored or nuclear layer is characterized by containing numerous small nerve cells of a reddish-brown color, together with many nerve fibrils. Most of the cells are nearly spherical and provided with short dendrites which spread out in a spider-like manner in the nuclear layer. Their axons pass outward into the molecular layer and bifurcating at right angles run for some distance parallel with the surface. In the outer part of the nuclear layer are some larger cells of the type 2 of Golgi. 
Their axons undergo frequent division as soon as they leave the nerve cells and pass into the nuclear layer, while their dendrites ramify chiefly in the molecular layer. Finally, in the gray substance of the cerebellar cortex, there are fibers which come from the white center and penetrate the cortex. The cell origin of these fibers is unknown, though it is believed that it is probably in the gray substance of the medulla spinalis. Some of these fibers end in the nuclear layer by dividing into numerous branches on which are to be seen peculiar moss-like appendages. Hence, they have been termed by Raimoni Cajal the moss fibers. They form an arborescence around the cells of the nuclear layer and are said to come from fibers in the inferior peduncle. Other fibers, the clinging or tendril fibers, derived from the medullary center can be traced into the molecular layer where their branches cling around the dendrites of Purkinje cells. They are said to come from fibers of the middle peduncle. 2. The independent centers of gray substance in the cerebellum are four in number on either side. One is of large size and is known as the nucleus dentatus. The other three, much smaller, are situated near the middle of the cerebellum and are known as the nucleus emboliformis, nucleus globosus, and nucleus fastigii. The nucleus dentatus is situated a little to the medial side of the center of the stem of the white substance of the hemisphere. It consists of an irregularly folded lamina of grayish-yellow color, containing white fibers, and presenting on its anterior medial aspect an opening, the hilus, from which most of the fibers of the superior pinnacle emerge. The nucleus emboliformis lies immediately to the medial side of the nucleus dentatus and partly covering its hilus. The nucleus globosus is an elongated mass directed anterior-posteriorly and placed medial to the preceding. The nucleus fastigii is somewhat larger than the other two and is situated close to the middle line at the anterior end of the superior vermis and immediately over the roof of the fourth ventricle from which it is separated by a thin layer of white substance. The cerebellum is concerned with the coordination of movements necessary in equilibration, locomotion, and prehension. In it terminate pathways conducting impulses of muscle sense, tendon sense, joint sense, and equilibratory disturbances. With the exception of the ventral spinocerebellar fasciculus, these impulses enter through the inferior peduncle. The reflex arc is completed by fibers in the superior peduncle, which pass to the red nucleus and the thalamus, and thence, by additional neurons, rubrospinal tract, to the motor centers. The exact function of its different parts are still quite uncertain, owing to the contradictory nature of the evidence furnished by 1. ablation experiments upon animals and 2. clinical observation in man of the effects produced by abscesses or tumors affecting different portions of the organ. The fourth ventricle, ventriculus cortis. The fourth ventricle, or cavity of the hindbrain, is situated in front of the cerebellum and behind the pons and upper half of the medulla oblongata. Developmentally considered, the fourth ventricle consists of three parts, a superior belonging to the isthmus rhombencephali, an intermediate to the metencephalon, and an inferior to the myelencephalon. It is lined by ciliated epithelium and is continuous below with the central canal of the medulla oblongata. Above, it communicates by means of a passage termed a cerebral aqueduct with the cavity of the third ventricle. It presents four angles and possesses a roof or dorsal wall, a floor or ventral wall, and lateral boundaries. Angles. 
The superior angle is on a level with the upper border of the ponds and is continuous with the lower end of the cerebral aqueduct. The inferior angle is on a level with the lower end of the olive and opens into the central canal of the medulla oblongata. Each lateral angle corresponds with the point of meeting of the brachia and inferior peduncle. A little below the lateral angles, on a level with the striae medullares, the ventricular cavity is prolonged outward in the form of two narrow lateral recesses, one on either side. These are situated between the inferior peduncles and the flocculi and reach as far as the attachments of the glossopharyngeal and vagus nerves. Lateral boundaries. The lower part of each lateral boundary is constituted by the clava, the fasciculus cuneatus, and the inferior peduncle, the upper part by the middle and the superior peduncle. Roof or dorsal wall. The upper portion of the roof is formed by the superior peduncle and the anterior medullary velum the lower portion by the posterior medullary velum, the epithelial lining of the ventricle covered by the telochoroidea inferior, the tenae of the fourth ventricle, and the obex. The superior peduncle, on emerging from the central white substance of the cerebellum, pass upward and forward, forming at first the lateral boundaries of the upper part of the cavity. On approaching the inferior colliculi, they converge and their medial portions overlap the cavity and form part of its roof. The anterior medullary velum, fills the angular interval between the superior peduncle and is continuous behind with the central white substance of the cerebellum. It is covered on its dorsal surface by the lingula of the superior vermis. The posterior medullary velum is continued downward and forward from the central white substance of the cerebellum in front of the nodule and tonsils and ends inferiorly in a thin, concave, somewhat ragged margin. Below this margin, the roof is devoid of nervous matter except in the immediate vicinity of the lower lateral boundaries of the ventricle where two narrow white bands, the tineae of the fourth ventricle, ligulae, appear. These bands meet over the inferior angle of the ventricle in a thin triangular lamina, the obex. The non-nervous part of the roof is formed by the epithelial lining of the ventricle, which is prolonged downward as a thin membrane from the deep surface of the posterior medullary velum to the corresponding surface of the obex and tineae, and thence on to the floor of the ventricular cavity. It is covered and strengthened by a portion of the pia mater, which is named the telochoridea of the fourth ventricle. The tineae of the fourth ventricle, tineae ventriculi corto, ligula, are two narrow bands of white matter, one on either side, which complete the lower part of the roof of the cavity. Each consists of a vertical and a horizontal part. The vertical part is continuous below the obex with the clava, to which it is inherent by a lateral border. The horizontal portion extends transversely across the inferior peduncle below the striae medullares and roofs in the lower and posterior part of the lateral recess. It is attached by its lower margin to the inferior peduncle and partly encloses the choroid plexus, which, however, projects beyond it like a cluster of grapes and hence this part of the tenier has been termed the cornucopia, botchtelic. The obex is a thin triangular gray lamina which roofs in the lower angle of the ventricle and is attached by its lateral margins to the clave. The telochoridea of the fourth ventricle is the name applied to the triangular fold of pia mater which is carried upward between the cerebellum and the medulla oblongata. It consists of two layers which are continuous with each other in front and are more or less adherent throughout. The posterior layer covers the anterior inferior surface of the cerebellum, while the anterior is applied to the structures which form the lower part of the roof of the ventricle, and is continued inferiorly with the pia mater on the inferior peduncles and closed part of the medulla.
choroid plexuses. These consist of two highly vascular inflections of the telechoroidea, which invaginate the lower part of the roof of the ventricle and are everywhere covered by the epithelial lining of the cavity. Each consists of a vertical and a horizontal portion. The former lies close to the middle line and the latter passes into the lateral recess and projects beyond its apex. The vertical parts of the plexuses are distinct from each other but the horizontal portions are joined in the middle line and hence the entire structure presents the form of the letter T, the vertical limb of which, however, is double. Openings in the roof. In the roof of the fourth ventricle, there are three openings, a medial and two lateral. The medial aperture, foramen majandi, is situated immediately above the inferior angle of the ventricle. The lateral apertures, foramina of Lushka, are found at the extremities of the lateral recesses. By means of these three openings, the ventricle communicates with the subarachnoid cavity, and the cerebral spinal fluid can circulate from the one to the other. Rhomboid fossa. Fossa rhomboidea, floor of the fourth ventricle. The anterior part of the fourth ventricle is named, from its shape, the rhomboid fossa, and its anterior wall, formed by the back of the pons and medulla oblongata, constitutes the floor of the fourth ventricle. It is covered by a thin layer of gray substance continuous with that of the medulla spinalis. Superficial to this is a thin lamina of neuroglia which constitutes the appendema of the ventricle and supports a layer of ciliated epithelium. The fossa consists of three parts, superior, intermediate, and inferior. The superior part is triangular in shape and limited laterally by the superior cerebellar peduncle. Its apex, directed upward, is continuous with the cerebral aqueduct. Its base is represented by an imaginary line at the level of the upper ends of the superior foveae. The intermediate part extends from this level to that of the horizontal portions of the tinea of the ventricle. It is narrow above, where it is limited laterally by the medial peduncle, but widens below and is prolonged into the lateral recesses of the ventricle. The inferior part is triangular, and its downwardly directed apex, named the calamus scriptorius, is continuous with the central canal of the closed port of the medulla oblongata. The rhomboid fossa is divided into symmetrical halves by a median sulcus which reaches from the upper to the lower angles of the fossa and is deeper below than above. On either side of this sulcus is an elevation, the medial eminence, bounded laterally by a sulcus, the sulcus limitans. In the superior part of the fossa, the medial eminence has a width equal to that of the corresponding half of the fossa, but opposite the superior fovea, it forms an elongated swelling, the colliculus facialis, which overlies the nucleus of the abducent nerve, and is, in part at least, produced by the ascending portion of the root of the facial nerve. In the inferior part of the fossa, the medial eminence assumes the form of a triangular area, the trigonum hypoglossi. When examined underwater with a lens, this trigone is seen to consist of a medial and a lateral area separated by a series of oblique furrows. The medial area corresponds with the upper part of the nucleus of the hypoglossal nerve, the lateral with a small nucleus, the nucleus intercalatus. The sulcus limitans forms the lateral boundary of the medial eminence. In the superior part of the rhomboid fossa, it corresponds with the lateral limit of the fossa and presents a bluish-gray area, the locus ceruleus, which owes its color to an underlying patch of deeply pigmented nerve cells termed the substantia ferruginea. 
at the level of the colliculus facialis, the sulcus limitans widens into a flattened depression, the superior fovea, and in the inferior part of the fossa appears as a distinct dimple, the inferior fovea. Lateral to the fovea is a rounded elevation named the area acoustica, which extends into the lateral recess and there forms a feebly marked swelling, the tuberculum acousticum. Winding around the inferior peduncle and crossing the area acoustica and the medial eminence are a number of white strands, the striae medullares, which form a portion of the cochlear division of the acoustic nerve and disappear into the median sulcus. Below the inferior fovea and between the trigonum hypoglossi and the lower part of the area acoustica is a triangular dark field, the alis cinerea, which corresponds to the sensory nucleus of the vagus and glossopharyngeal nerves. The lower end of the alis cinerea is crossed by a narrow translucent ridge, the funiculus separans, and between this funiculus and the clava is a small tongue-shaped area, the area postrema. On section, it is seen that the funiculus separans is formed by a strip of thickened ependema, and the area postrema by loose, highly vascular neuroglial tissue containing nerve cells of moderate size. End of section 11.